Okay. You guys ready to dive into the word? <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much for your presence here today. Thank you, God, for everyone getting touched through the live stream at home in their car, listening to this at a later time. Thank you for the podcast. Thank you, God, for those that are hungry and thirsty for your word, your presence. I pray you'd challenge all of us through this message to live differently, love differently, and to, to allow ourselves to be established into a testimony so that we can establish it in the generations to come. God, I bless everyone here, and I thank you so much for true peace and joy in the Holy Spirit and that you cause us to be like you. We're the righteousness of God in Christ, through Christ, through the cross, through the blood. And I thank you, Jesus, that you love us and you care for us and you're for us and you champion us all the days of our life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. All right. Turn in your Bibles to Psalm 78, and we're going to start at verse 2. Psalm 78, starting at verse 2. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old. Dark sayings are riddles, proverbs, and hidden things that need to be brought to the light that God has done. Verse three, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generation to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. For he has established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born. I want you to catch that, who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments and may not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation that did not set its heart aright and whose spirit was not faithful to God. There's a lot to this that we're going to unpack today, and I believe that it's for every single person, every age group in this sanctuary, and all of you watching on the live stream. What have others heard and known that you can grab onto and learn from? I have a lifetime of experiences. I have a long testimony of encounters with God, of things that I have heard and things that I have known that I can give away to other people. I have a testimony of miraculous breakthroughs and incredible encounters and things that I know that I can give away. At the same time, I look to other people that have had encounters and experiences that they have heard and known and see God, have seen God do things in their life that I can grab onto. That's why elders are so important. The definition of an elder is a seasoned, aged, wise one. An elder is a nature, not a title. The title is bishop, meaning that as you grow older, you have the ability now because of your past experiences and the wisdom that God's put in your life to oversee and help other people to not make the same mistakes that you have made or to give away the experiences and the encounters and the stories that God has given to you. In fact, the older that you get, the more valuable you become. Every single person as a Christian will grow into eldership in their life. 
You will all, if you stay the course and do not back down, you will all grow into elders, seasoned, aged, wise ones. Jeremy, would you give me that water, please? And so, as we all mature, we should be building these incredible testimonies, the praises of the Lord, and the wonderful works that God has done. And we have to be looking up to the generations that have gone before us so that we can learn and glean from them, grab onto their wisdom, grab onto their experiences, and help me to learn and grow or help yourself to learn and grow and stay the course for which God has for you. When God establishes a testimony in you, it's not just for you. When God does something in you, it's not just for you. It's designed to make you into something and an example so that you can give it away to somebody else and especially the generations that are coming behind you. What have you personally heard and known? This is a challenge. When I read this, I think to myself, what have I personally heard and known? What have you personally heard and known that you're passing on to your children and those around you whom God has granted you influence? God wants to build a story in your life and God wants to do things in your life so that you can give them away to somebody else. But that requires you to hear and to know. And it also requires you to not hide your story. You can't hide your story. You can't keep your story from the other generations to come, especially your own children. And I realize some of your stories are bad. Like you got a bad story, like you were bad, but you weren't that bad, so bad you couldn't be redeemed. And what does the Bible say about redemption? Let the redeemed of the Lord, what? So So you got to say so. You have to tell the story of your redemption and you don't have to be, have it all together and be perfect. How long do you think it took me after I was born again to start preaching and telling my story? Do you know me? Give me about an hour and I was preaching to somebody. And you know how messed up I was? I was so jacked up. I was so clueless. But it didn't matter because all I know is God had saved me and rescued me and forgiven me and pulled me out of my darkness and shame. And I was telling somebody about Jesus. You can't hide your story. We have a saying here at Rock City Church. You know you're healed when what? You can tell your story. But some of you have so much shame about your past. You're so stuck in your past. It's like, man, you don't know how bad I was. It doesn't matter. Jesus forgave it. You weren't that bad. It's like, oh, I was bad. I did horrible stuff. Join the club for so many of us. God, through the cross and the blood, can redeem anything. And if you're breathing and not in the grave, you have an option and choice for redemption now. Take it. And then let the redeemed of the Lord. That's how it works. When God pulls you out, he pulls you out for a purpose. So you can't hide your story. More often than not, someone's right where you once were. And they desperately need to hear the the sound of your voice and the sound of your story to pull them into their healing. You don't know that somebody's not right where you once were. And I say this all the time, the problems of your past 
or the problems of today are your ministry tomorrow. Trust me. Many of us are in different places. God's pulled me long out. God's pulled many of us in the sanctuary long out. And some of you are just stepping into the place of getting pulled out. Some of you are just now starting to step into the more that God has in store for you. So you look to the people in front of you that have heard and known and had miraculous stories and testimonies and encounters. That's why at this church, once a month, we have testimony night. And every single second Wednesday, we have people tell their story. And I want to give a shout out to Ed and Yvette Estevez, who did a phenomenal job on Wednesday night being raw and real and telling their story. Beautiful. I love them. I love them. And so your testimony is so important because what it does is it gives somebody else the opportunity to hope and believe that if God did it for you, listen, if God did it for you, he can do it for someone else. And that's why I can be so bold because I'm like, man, if God could do it for me, God can do it for you. It doesn't matter what state you're in. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are because I feel like I've been in that spot and maybe I didn't blow it up as bad as you did, but you know what? I was in a pretty bad spot and God pulled me out every single time. So we can't ever keep our stories and testimonies back. Now, I, I also realize that some of you aren't in the spot quite yet where you're ready to share your story. There's still these roots of bitterness and hurts and pains and shames and fears and worries and doubts. But let me tell you this. God starts in a process and takes you through that process your entire life. You got to start somewhere. Listen, I don't have it all figured. Here's some examples. I don't have it all figured out and I've only been saved for about two hours. But let me just tell you, what I experienced when I said yes to Jesus, something happened inside of me. And I don't know what it all looks like, but I'm saying yes and I'm going for it and I'm not looking back. That's a good start. I know Jesus loves me because I felt his perfect love. And I can't tell you all what happened, but when I was at that altar that day and I was in worship, man, I felt the presence of God. I started crying and weeping and I was on my face sucking carpet for two hours. Something happened to my life. And I just need to tell you, I'm not going to be the same person I once was. And no, I'm not going to go do the things that I used to do anymore. And even if you do and you run back, you get bought back every time. Just like Mary in The Chosen, when God, Jesus, she was so ashamed to go back to Jesus because she went back to her old ways. And Jesus was like, that's not who you are. It's the first thing he said. And that's what I say to everyone every single time. That's not who you are. You are not defined by that. So instead of hiding, there has to be a telling. If you tell on yourself, the devil has nothing to say. What are you protecting? Jesus saw it all anyway. It's like, oh, if you knew. I probably know. That's the funny thing about it. And there's a lot of people in this. We have a church full of seers and prophets. I guarantee you somebody knows in this house. (laughs) You might as well not hide. I'm just telling you right now. So think about this. It says, tell, I want you to look at this real quick. Verse four again. Telling the generation to come what? The praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful, and actually look it up, magnificent, wonderful, marvelous works that he has done. We have to tell of those. 
But what stories of those things do you have in your life at this point? And if you don't have any, let's get rolling. And if you have a bunch, let's get telling. And every day God's wanting to build a testimony into your life. Every day God's wanting to build you into something. But you have to realize everything's a test. Everything is a test, folks. Every day, every choice you make with your money, your time, your, everything's a sacrifice. And, and that's why you have to understand, test is the first root word of test Emoni. Why? Because it produces something inside of you. Listen to this definition of testimony. The Hebrew and the Greek definitions are the same. It means a witness with evidence, a legal term that says, put me on the stand. I will prove it. Call me as a witness. Because you can't take my experiences away, nor can you talk me out of what God has done in my life. You can't talk me out of what God's done in my life. And nobody should be able to talk you out of what God's done in your life. So God says, I want to put you on the stand. And every day we're put on the stand. In the public eye, live stream, the whole world to see, we're put on a stand. Everywhere you go, we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. People are watching. So a testimony is a legal term in the sense of I'm a witness with evidence. I'm a prove it kind of guy. And you should be a prove it kind of girl and guy. It's like a recorder, a court recorder, where every single word that's given inside a courtroom is typed up and not one word is missing as evidence for the judge to go back and read. So I'm a recorder. And now I become a reporter. I'm a court recorder and I'm a court reporter. So I can give testimony and evidence and witness of the faithfulness of God. But that takes encounters and experiences. It takes a testimony and supernatural breakthroughs. It takes walking on water. It takes fighting things through things you've never fought through. <clears throat> it takes overcoming hardship. It takes denying yourself, laying things down. It takes when you were in a corner in dire straits and there seemed like no way out and you're in the 11.59 hour and the last minute of the last breath of the last second. It takes I'm standing hemmed in at the Red Sea and I'm about to be murdered by the Egyptian army and it looks like I'm gonna die any second and God says, raise the staff, stand still and see Yahweh, the salvation and deliverance of the Lord. Raise the staff and watch what God can do when no but he else could do it and there's no other way out. God will take you every time to where there's no other way out. He wants to be your only way out, folks. Here's some other great examples of a testimony. No one knows the heart of the king or the emperor like the prince. And you know who gives the greatest testimony to the king, of the king, and about the king, or the emperor, is the prince. You know what God says about you? You're a royal priesthood. You're a chosen generation. You're a holy nation. So the prince of peace knows 
peace and the king, the father, like no one else. But now the body, through experiential understanding, through breakthroughs and testimonies, I now reflect and represent Christ as his prince. That's how you are. So now you're an ambassador on earth. You know what an ambassador is? It's somebody with delegated authority to represent the king from which they were sent or the kingdom from which they were sent. I have full authority to represent who sent me. <clears throat> and I have full experiential knowledge of who I'm representing. Now, the Greek word for testimony is the word martyr. Now, many of us know the term martyr as somebody who sacrificed their life or was killed for a religious cause. Maybe the mission field, we've heard about martyrs in Islam. And the mind says like they were killed representing their faith. But I want to give you an even bigger, better, because the ultimate glory is not just I mean, maybe it is. God knows there's martyrs sitting under the throne just waiting for God to take vengeance against his adversaries right now. But an even greater understanding of martyr is that you're a walking dead man now and you can't kill a dead man. What are you gonna do? Slander me? Reject me? They're gonna reject you? They're gonna slander you? They're gonna talk bad about you? So now you can't be hurt because you've already died. You become a true living witness and testimony as a martyr where it says, I can't, you can't do anything against me now because my life is not my own. So here's the premise. Establishing a testimony and commanding us to make that testimony known to our children. Why? So that future generations, including the unborn Notice it said those yet to be born, future generations, including the unborn, would continue passing down the testimonies to their children and not forgetting the works of God. Because if we don't pass them down, they will forget. But rather, we're faithful to keep God's word front and center in our lives and they become faithful to do the same. And we're not going to be like our stubborn and rebellious fathers whose hearts were amiss and unfaithful to God. There was an entire generation that didn't enter the promised land because their hearts were amiss and they were unfaithful to God. Most of us in this room, <clears throat> most of us, not all of us, had fathers whose hearts were amiss. They did the best they knew to do. We forgive them for what they knew not they they were doing. Some did terrible things. Some did the best they knew to do. They gave the best love that they had to give. But I'm telling you right now, anything outside of God's perfect love that makes me to be like Christ, not get a better career, not get an education, not go be like the world, not have a nice home and stuff to take care of my family, all the stuff that the baby boomer generation tried to instill into me. And it's not that some of those things aren't noble, but noble doesn't pass God's kingdom test. It's not just about being noble or having good things. And so Hart's fathers that are amiss is that they aren't grooming and shaping and training you to be like Christ and walk in the supernatural power of God and being examples that show you the supernatural power of God. So we don't want to be like them. 
So the question is, what testimony are we building today for tomorrow? And what are we leaving for the generations to come? This is a question. What testimony are you building today for tomorrow? And what are you leaving for the generations to come? Every day is an opportunity to build beautiful encounters and experiences with God and others, all of which build stories, memories, and testimonies. Every single day is an opportunity to build wonderful testimonies together with the Lord. We have an obligation to teach our children the stories of the Bible and to own them for ourselves when we teach them, not just nice stories of old on a page. It's not just nice to do your religious duty to teach them a nice Bible lesson. I own the Bible studies that I read. I ask God to show me what he was thinking and doing in that story. We love the Action Bible. It's a comic book Bible. And can I just tell you how much I have learned from the Action Bible? It's fantastic. There's so many stories that I read in the Action Bible that I'm like, is that really in the Bible? And then I go get my other Bible and I'm like, gosh, it really is. And so when I read these stories to my children, I'm probably more fascinated by the story than my kids are, right? Like, I'm like, son, do you realize like how insanely incredible incredible this is? You know that God can do that for us today. Do you know that the Bible is more relevant today than it was then? It only becomes more alive and relevant as time goes by. Listen to this. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11 Now, all these things happened to them, to Israel. Think Old Testament, even New Testament, but specifically Old Testament. All these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for who? For us, for our admonition, our instruction, our teaching, our training, our correction, our guidance, upon whom the ends of the ages have come. That's us and the generations to come. Luke 21, 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. You know what I like to put in here where it says words, testimonies. Yes, God's word's gonna stand forever. But do you know every miraculous thing that God does is recorded for eternity? Your testimonies, the things God does in you, the miraculous wonders are gonna stand the test of time through your children, your grandchildren, your children's children. They're not going to fade away. They're eternal. It's the job of my wife and I to teach our children the word of God and the stories of the Bible. Anything extra you get at Rock City Church is simply a bonus. (laughs) Did you hear that? You don't depend on once a week for your kids to learn the Bible. I want, I want these kids laying hands on one another, baptizing the Holy Spirit, praying for the sick. I want these kids on fire. And yeah, of course I want them grounded in the Bible. If you're like, oh, well, it needs to be about the Bible. No, you need to teach your kids the Bible at home. You want us to do what you're not doing at home. It doesn't work like that. Now we're gonna teach them the Bible, Right? And there's going to be people that come in, families that come in, have no knowledge of the Bible. Parents never read the Bible. 
So you can't go expect them to do it. So this is a starting point. But I'm talking to the core of this church and the family of this church. You have an obligation, dads. I'm saying to the dads. To show your children what normal looks like. And if it's not normal to you, it won't be normal to them. Let me say it again. If it's not normal to you, it will not be normal to them. Little, little boys are so much just like their dads. I watch them all the time. Same with girls too. I can see it. The way, she, the, way the dad or mom is, I see the little child acts almost just like the mom or dad. So I say, I'm gonna outdo them in every way. I'm gonna be so radical and on fire. I'm not gonna give my kids, my kids may grow up and make the decision for themselves to believe the lie that God's not good. But let me tell you something. I'm gonna do, give them every reason not to believe God is good. They're not gonna have any excuse with their parents to believe for one second that God is not good. I talk about it all the time. It's Deuteronomy 6 says you talk to your children everywhere you go. When you wake up, when you lie down, when you go to the park. And it's not like I'm weird religious about it, but I'm front and center with the miraculous power of God. I raise my hands in the car at home put worship music on, get loud. And I pray in tongues in front of my kids. I let them see me cast out demons. I have them come up and lay hands on people. And it's rare to find a church in a place where little children can come up and lay hands on the sick. And if we don't steward and, and facilitate a place where our children can step into the more that God has in store, what have we done? What have we left behind? What are you leaving behind? Isn't it a scary thought to think your children are going to grow up and be just like you? I want them to be better than me. I want them to be more on fire than me. I want to set the bar so high for the fire of God and the radical, wonderful beauty of God that they're like, holy cow. If I don't walk in the supernatural, they won't walk in the supernatural. We teach our children the word and how to read the Bible for themselves. We tell them the wonderful works of God that we have both seen and heard. And we build testimonies into them. I'm building a testimony into my children. So I took them to West Virginia last year for a conference. They were my ministry team. Many supernormal natural nights, I want them to come up and pray for the sick. We go to the beach. I took my kids to the beach. We do it all the time, spontaneously. Summertime's like, hey, kids, let's go. We get up to the, and I'm not looking for this or ever, usually. I'm never looking for this experience. But we get to the beach, this has happened. We get to the beach, sure enough, you know, sunset, we're going, we're enjoying a nice time. I got my kids. Here comes the party train. And they park right next to me. Girls in thongs, cranking up the music, putting down brews, partying, wild, dancing, getting crazy. And then God, and, and one side of me is like, I better move. And then God's like, yeah, no, you better move towards them. And he's like, nah, and you got to be spirit led. But God's like, I'm going to give you a word for them. So I'm like, okay, kids, come on. 
It's, I'm not overly excited about it. I know you think, man, I'm like so excited about it. Let me tell you something. It's a sacrifice. And you got to step out on faith and do something you're not comfortable to do. He's like, oh, if it's easy, I'll do it. When are you going to get past easy? When are you going to stop living in a world of comfort zones and easy? Everything's a sacrifice. Every meeting, I can assure you, every single leader in this church is not in it for title or position or money. Ask any of them. They are for sure not in it for the money. They're not getting paid near enough. They're not. And then you take it for granted and complain and bicker and disunified while they're making sacrifices for their life for pocket change? That shouldn't be that way. It's not about you. It's about us as a family. Sacrifices, doing the uncomfortable, doing what you don't want to do. And then my little kids are like, what in the world is dad doing? I'm like, come on, kids. I go over there and I say, hey, this is who I am, this is my kids. While I was over there, God gave me this word for you. And, psh, and I didn't feel any presence of God walking over there. And I didn't feel any presence of God when I got there. But the minute that I opened my mouth, God showed up. How dead are you? That's the real question. And every single time you're going to face rejection. You're going to face people that don't want to talk to you. You're going to have to overcome your fears and inhibitions. Every single time. My kids re will remember those things for a lifetime. And it doesn't stop. It's not like it was a past thing. God's like, man, I'm going to do more and I'm going to do more and it's going to be every day. And every day I'm going to call you a little bit more into your deadness. And every day I'm going to call you to be a little bit more of a martyr. And the more you want to hang on to you, the more I'm going to kill you. In a good way, but it may not feel good. Not only must we be having personal encounters that build generations of stories that stand the test of time, but we must be creating spaces and places for our children to do the same, both at home and church. I'm going to say this again. If God's not supernaturally real to you, he won't be supernaturally real to them. And then we wonder what happened to our kids. We raised them in church, and now they wandered away. I want to show my kids that God's way more powerful than Harry Potter and Hollywood. Because if you don't show them the supernatural power of God, the real thing, they're going to follow the fake thing. But even the fake thing behind it is a deceptive thing. It's a demonic thing that's real and alive that wants to bewitch your children and bedazzle them by the beauty of the things of this world. Money, fame, and notoriety me, and deception and pleasure. And at the same time, God has a better, more powerful, supernatural way that will rock their world. Show your little kids one time you casting out a demon. One time. Start praying, God. Bring somebody that's possessed and give me the authority to cast it out and not be afraid and let my kids be there when it happens. Some of y'all are like, I'm never gonna pray that. You're like, I will never pray that. Now, I'm not a demon hunter and I don't go looking for demons, but I'm gonna tell you that they manifest themselves and you wanna really, re Jesus publicly cast out demons just so that you know. Now, I don't do it for show. I'm not out to show. Y'all get past it in your comments and your reviews and whatever you think you got to say. This isn't a dog and pony show church. People need deliverance and they're possessed. And they need to get set free. Set the captives free, which part of that don't we understand? But you want it pretty and nice and quiet. And then our kids aren't fascinated because they see no real power. 
And then they get bewitched by twilight. Seriously. Where's the fire? Where's the power? Everything in this world is fake and false and temporary. Everything. I have a testimony. It's pretty amazing. My wife has a testimony. It's pretty amazing. Together, we have a testimony. It's pretty amazing. We have stories of overcoming, enduring hardship, and incredible breakthroughs in how God uses together. We've suffered the loss of a child, hurricanes, countless sicknesses. I mean, that line in the vows for better, for worse, is like bolded and highlighted a thousand times big because it's been for better or for worse. But you know what? Every time when we were backed into a corner and at our very end, every time when only it could have been God, it was God. Every single time when we didn't know where to go or what to do and we thought that we were gonna die, God showed up. And don't you think for a second God's not gonna repeatedly do it in you. This life is hard. In this world, you will have trouble. And you know what? The more sickness we face and the more hardship we face, the leaner and meaner we get and the more in the fight we get. And the more she cut about and we get on our knees and we cry out to God with a fight and a zeal inside of our hearts. You're not passive weaklings. You're sons and daughters of the living God. And in your weakness, God's strength is made perfect. But so we don't want to be weak. We don't want to suffer pain. We don't want to fail. And God's like, oh, I'm going to be with you in the suffering. I'm going to help you overcome the failure. And I'm going to give you strength in your weakness. You think you're going to arrive when you get it all figured out? No, there'll be another test right around the corner, I can assure you. We have incredible stories of how much God has provided for us and blessed us in our home, our finances, and in our personal businesses. We have incredible testimony here, this church, this building, this property, what's coming. There's a testimony about to be built next door and it's gonna launch us to another thing that's gonna build another testimony and these things are being put into motion that are gonna long outlive me when I'm in the grave and some of you teenagers and young adults will run twice as far and twice as long as me but you have to learn from the older generation. You gotta build the stories and then you gotta give them away or the people will forget. And we're in a society today where the miraculous, wonderful works of God are being diminished. The voice of the Lord is heard small. We're in a God more godless and lawless society than it's ever been. The answer is priests that carry the government of God on their shoulder with power and authority and love and perfect love without fear, inhibition, or shame. People that will stand up and vote right, love right, live right, declare right, Prophesy right. So those are all great, but I don't want you to just have a nice story of how God gave you a better job and provided for your finances and gave you a new home. I want stories that are miraculous that when you got out of the boat, you walked on the water and you only could have done it because Jesus was standing in front of you and you had your eyes on him and not on the things of this world. Because if your eyes are on the things of this world, you will surely sink. But if they're on Jesus, you will surely walk. Yeah. 
healing, deliverance, the miraculous, baptism of fire. That's all in my testimony book. Let's get it in yours. And that's why this church is designed to be that way. It's, I'm, I can't be like anyone else. And I'm not saying we're the only one doing it. But you're going to have to get past this thing of any struggles or challenges of the way the church is. Just tell me the church is tame. Just tell it to me. Please, for the love, just tell me, man, this church is too tame. You're getting, you're getting me all fired up right now. Come on, guys. Y'all got it. We got to get out of our comfort zones. We have to. I want our children to have experiences for themselves and be used by God for others. If this church is to go where it's supposed to go and become what it's supposed to become, the children are the golden keys to God's heart. And not just making them into good Christians. We don't need another world of nice Christians. We don't need consumer Christianity. We need visionaries. We need dreamers. We need modern-day Joshuas. We need fathers like Philip, the evangelist who had three daughters who all prophesied. Shaka. This is a big deal. Maybe I'll teach on that next week. I want my daughters, my daughters prophesying. I want my son bold as a lion. Oh, it's a fight coming on. Instead of running from it, he runs to it. I'm going to say this statement again because I just think it's so good. I woke up in the night and wrote this down. My children can choose to believe that God isn't good, but I can assure you they won't learn it from their parents, and we will give them every reason to believe the opposite. That can be their choice, but they will not have been given the reason from me or my wife or this church. It's not by mere words, but by incredible evidence and action. That's why you have to understand, I love to preach up a storm, but if I just preach a good message and you leave her the same and you got some good information stirred up a little bit, if you don't do something with what I tell you, then it was just another good Sunday morning sermon. And that's why we make Wednesday nights and we bring these crazy people in for conferences and we got wild seers in this church that prophesy and sing out and declare out. And you're like, man, that's weird, that's strange. No, it's not, stick around. That's what normal should look like. I'm sorry you came from abnormal, but this is normal. Maybe not in Western America church, but let's change that. He established a testimony and put your name in it. Let's say it together and you're going to put your name in it. Say, he established a testimony in, say your name, in David for me. So the question is, how does he establish the testimony? For me personally, there's a balance between allowing God to establish his testimony in me. This requires patience, trust, expectation, obedience, and lordship. There's this component of God doing what God does best. And I, in a sense, sit back and trust him and let him do it. Got that? Think about this. This is probably where most people stay, right? 
But then there's this other side. <clears throat> there's this other side that says, where God says, I expect you to create together with me and my leading a testimony for yourself. God speaks, but I have to be obedient. I get a word for you, I have to give it. I'm out in a public place and God says, go preach the gospel to that person, you have to do it. I go, we have super normal natural nights because what good are we gonna be if we're just a word church? You gotta have a word church. And there's no power in miracles and signs and wonders and prophecy and experiences and encounters. I love the word, but you have to have both. So there's one side that God's doing what God does best and I'm buckling in and enjoying the ride. I don't have to, this isn't I have to make things happen. I'll use the example of the, the party crew pulling up on the beach. In the natural, anybody would think you need to go preach to them. But if God's not telling you to go preach to them or say something to them, then you did it in your own strength. Because there might be times God says, hey, you need to pack up, take your kids and move down the beach. That's why you have to be hearing God's voice and be obedient. But it's those stepping out in faith moments that build these incredible stories, like the one I just told you. If I'm not obedient to step out in faith, the story often wouldn't be built. God decrees it in you. You say yes, and it's fulfilled through you. Here's some examples. So it's like, how come I never see anybody get healed? When's the last time you prayed for the sick? You're like, well, I see people pray for the sick all the time. Yeah, well, maybe you should start praying for the sick, and you'll start to see some miraculous things happen. You can't just live vicariously through me. You can to a certain degree, but you got to start having your own experiences. Discipling others, witnessing, building something, making countless sacrifices that seem small and insignificant. They're all a sacrifice and they all require you to get out of your comfort zone and do something you've never done before. Be places that you don't often want to go because it's not about you wanting to do it. This has nothing to do with whether you do and don't, whether you want to. I don't want to, I do a lot of things I don't want to do. Don't you? <clears throat> but you do them because you know it's a sacrifice. And it's a sacrifice not of yourself and because God leads you and tells you to do it. Push past easy in the comfort zone. The truth isn't always easy. You're gonna face rejection. You're gonna look like a fool. Newsflash. You're going to look like a fool. You're going to seem silly sometimes. But you have to overcome those inhibitions and fears. And it's the exact, the exact place that God establishes a testimony. It's the exact place you die and become an even greater martyr for the king. So many times God calls me to step out and do something I did not want to do. And I'm like, God, really? And listen, let me tell you, sometimes God's called me to do something. My heart's pounding and I fell flat on my face and I bombed it. And the person's like, that's nice. I remember I, I, there was, I don't know where I was, but I saw this really just super GQ black guy at the airport. And man, God just downloaded on me about this guy. Downloaded. And I can tell you he didn't know the Lord. And I walked up out of the blue and he was in a conversation with another lady and he looked at me like, who the blankety blank are you? And I'm like, 
listen, I'm a pastor. I was standing over there and I felt like the Lord gave me this word for you. And I feel like God wants you to know that he loves you and you need to say yes to the call of God on your life and not keep running. He goes, that's nice. All righty then. And I turned around and walked the other way. I mean, there are times, listen, there are times where you're gonna feel like you're gonna fail, but see, you weren't a failure to God. It wasn't about the result in the moment. It was about the obedience to do what he told you to do. You're gonna have to see that. Ask yourself today, I'm going to close with this and we're going to pray. Ask yourself today these questions. How can I allow God to build me into a greater testimony? How can I become a greater witness to his miraculous, wonderful works? The praises of the Lord. How can I hear and know for myself? What steps do I need to take no matter how hard or uncomfortable it is? Regardless of what you're going to lose. Because some of you are really afraid of losing. Some of you are really afraid of letting go. But see, until you let go, you're never going to see what God has for you. This whole walk with God is designed to be a faith trust walk. And to get out of the boat. And until you let go of the past, you can't get the future. And God has a lordship thing for every one of you individually. And I can't tell you exactly what it is he's going to tell you or not tell you. But many times God's going to ask you to give up the one thing you really don't want to give up the most. Hence Abraham and Isaac. Don't think for a second God won't call, call you to lay it on the altar. Sometimes God's only calling you to lay it on the altar, but to never actually really give it up. And it's a test. But sometimes God's saying, give it up. And I can't make that decision for you. This is where lordship has to come in. What is it that needs to be let go of in order for you to go where God's called you to go? I don't know what it is. I think about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus. What do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? Well, do, you know the commandments. He's like, I've done them all. I've done every right thing. He says, okay, well, sell all you have, give it to the poor and follow me. Can you imagine what he would have gained following Jesus in person? Can you imagine the story that might've been written in the Bible? <clears throat> Do you know what if the rich ring ruler would have said, all right. And Jesus said, you know what? Just sell a portion and bring some with you because we're going to need it for the journey. I don't know. All I know is he faced the most ultimate test. And he couldn't do it. He could not let go of the comforts and the pleasures and the things of this world. It was too hard. And I love what Kevin sang today and said today. He nailed it on the nose. You're going to have to let go, folks. I had to let go of my identity, my past, my money, my income. Think about Simon the sorcerer. When Simon the sorcerer gave his life to the Lord in uh, Samaria, 
He was considered the great power of God. Everybody paid him and everybody worshiped this guy. When this guy saw the real power of God, he got baptized and got saved. <clears throat> then when he saw the disciples lay, the apostles lay hands on more people and they're getting filled with the spirit and prophecy, he said to them, let me buy that. Why? You know why? Because he'd given up his career. He was a fortune teller. Now that he forsook all for the moment, he now, it probably hit him. Wait a minute. I have no more income. What am I going to do now? God always calls you to the, what are you going to do now? There's no other way out, folks. <laughs> Just listen to the words coming out of my mouth. <clears throat> there is no other way out. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What else do you think is going to do it? More stuff, more things? Put him center. And all the rest, seek first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all things will be added to you. It's a new day. And let me just tell you right now, if you think there's been anything miraculous up till this point and we've made some headway, you ain't seen nothing yet. Because I'm going to be, I'm, I feel it. Leaner, meaner. We are fighting. God has built an army in this house. Woo. And we are, God's bringing new people. God's bringing new people that are not gonna fit what you think they're gonna fit. And it's gonna be wholly weird. But if you wanna stay the same, you won't be able to do it here. Let's all stand. Let me have my prayer partners come up, my ministry team. We're gonna pray for you guys. Listen to this. Until you put your faith into action and step out, you won't see and you'll stay the same. Who wants to stay the same here? Anybody? I didn't think so. You'll, if you don't make the shift, you'll, you'll actually feel marginalized. You know what the word marginalized means? The devil wants to marginalize you. You, don't, you will not be marginalized here. It takes time. We're growing. We're learning. But you're not marginalized. You're especially not marginalized in the kingdom. You know what marginalized... Are, or disenfranchised means, it means to be marginalized. It means deprived of power and have no voting ability. Let me tell you something. The world doesn't get to reason with God. The world doesn't get access to the benefit that you get. They get some benefits, but they don't get to commune and talk and hear the Father's voice. Jesus said, my sheep might know my voice and no other voice will they follow. So it's time for you to step out of the boat, get on the water, do something you've never done before, let God breathe fresh life, fresh fire into you, get, get more wide-eyed, wild for God, allow yourself to be uncomfortable, allow him to use you, allow him to build you into a testimony, do something so impossible, do something so wildly extravagant 
that it could have only been God. <laughs> Are you hearing me? Some of you are in a situation right now, man, if God doesn't show up, it's the end. And you know what? God's gonna show up. So if you need prayer today, if, I, if, this, if God straight up read your mail, you need to come up for prayer right now. Come on. If you've been living, marginalized, struggling, afraid, inhibited, worried, if you're sick, if you need healing in your body, come up and let God establish a testimony in you. If you want more, if you want to be, if, if you know you're facing a monster decision, some of you are facing big decisions and you need prayer to overcome it. Get up here. Let somebody pray for you, all right? Now I'm going to pray for you and release you and you're welcome to come up anytime. Otherwise, I love you and we'll see you on Wednesday night. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this church. Thank you, God, for the life, the power, the freedom, the deliverance, the healing, the supernatural, the normal of the kingdom. Thank you for our children learning to trust you and see the miraculous works of God. Thank you that it's all yours. We're gonna do whatever it takes, Lord, whatever it takes. We'll let go of whatever you call us to let go of. Our life is not our own. Have your way, Lord. Have your way, God. Have your way, Jesus.